I think our mindset is everything. Like you can't get discouraged and you can't stop believing in yourself and your music. So really watching how you're thinking and reading resources about, you know, positive thinking. It's a real thing. Like it affects your life and your future. Welcome to the Female Entrepreneur Musician Podcast with Bree Noble. Bree is a musician, entrepreneur, speaker, and founder of Women of Substance Music Radio and Podcast. Bree's interviews with successful female musicians and industry pros are both inspirational and informational. She also answers your questions about the music business. Bree is on a mission to help you create great music, connect with your fans, and grow your business, and to truly become a female entrepreneur musician. Hey, hope you're having an amazing day. This is Brie Noble, and I'm so glad you tuned into the Female Entrepreneur Musician Show, where we talk about making great music, connecting with your audience, and growing your business. And as I'm recording this, I know this isn't released on this day, but I'm actually recording this intro on International Women's Day, and I am just so proud to be helping female musicians make a name for themselves out there. And I just really want to thank you guys for tuning in, for making the music that you make, for really committing to getting your voice heard out there. And I celebrate you today. Now, we are going to be getting into my interview with Andrea Hamilton. We've had a couple weeks off of interviews, and I'm excited to share this with you guys, especially because Andrea and I were actually in a songwriting class so many years ago when I was writing my first album, Um, And just to see the progress that she's made over the years is awesome and really coming into her own. You know, when we were in the class, she was young. She was still in, you know, her junior year of college, I think. And to see where she's come in these years, how she's really found her authentic truth to her own music, you know, had an interesting and amazing life journey that she'll talk about. And so I'm excited to share that with you guys today. Before I get into that and tell you a little bit about Andrea, I just want to let you know we have our Musician's Profit Path Masterclass coming up in a few weeks, and I'd love to have you guys come and share that with me. You'll learn a ton about your music career, the five stages of music career growth that I have laid out, and the blueprint that I've created, the framework showing you what you should be doing in the stage that you're in, what you shouldn't be focusing on, how you know when it's time to move to the next stage, and all that juicy stuff. So go on over to musiciansprofitpath.com and sign up for that workshop. And we run this workshop you know, all the time throughout the year. So if you're listening to this later on and it's not March or April, we will run this again. So just go ahead and sign up and that will make sure that you get on the list for the next time that we run this workshop. Now here's a little information about my guest, Andrea Hamilton. Andrea Hamilton is a pop singer-songwriter and a writer and worship leader in the faith-based market as well. She recently played an album release show at Hotel Cafe in Los Angeles to celebrate her seventh album release. And her past music has been featured on Extreme Home Makeover, Bachelor in Paradise, Preachers in LA, Too Young to Marry, Mystery Millionaire, X and the Y, and many other TV shows and indie films. Here is my interview with Andrea Hamilton. 
So that's a little bit about Andrea Hamilton. So Andrea, is there anything that you'd like to tell our listeners that's maybe a little more personal, a little more interesting or quirky about you that's not in your bio? Oh man. Well, there's plenty of quirky things about me. I'm sure (laughs) that. Um, I'm a health food nut. That's a fun fact. Um, I like geek out about nutrition. I've been considering getting like a nutrition coach certification and helping people, you know, with their diet and stuff. Um, just because that's been a big part of my health and recovery. So that's cool. Cause you weren't always that way. Oh no. <laughs> I was basically, you know, grew up as the typical standard American diet person who didn't know anything about nutrition, but in the last handful of years, I've learned a lot and learned that it's a big deal. So I love it as well as music. Awesome. Yeah. Well, how did you get started in music? Um, well, I got, I mean, I always sang as a kid, but that's not really a professional level thing. And I first taste of like professional musician, uh, experience was when I was 16, I won a competition and I got invited to record with a band where I grew up in Kansas city. And then just became part of the band after that ended up doing our booking and, uh, playing keys and singing and writing for us. And we toured in the Midwest a lot. Um, so that was my real, like, Oh, I could make money doing music. Awesome. You know, first experience. And then did it like, did that band dissolve or you just went to college and it ended or how did that work? Um, that band, we actually have um, three of us that have become professional musicians. So our drummer uh, is now playing with Kelly Clarkson. And then the uh, one of the singers, my friend Brandon, is a worship director at a big church now in Kansas City. And then um, I moved to L.A. when I was 18. So that's kind of when I stopped playing with them. Ah, So what? how did you then continue your music in college? Um, so that's an awesome question in college. It kind of felt like I was one foot in one foot out. Like I was trying to, you know, do my classes and do my work, but I also felt like it was in a way postponing my, you know, I already knew what I wanted to do with my career path and it didn't really need a degree. Uh, so I kind of felt like mixed the whole time, like, okay, I don't want to get too involved in learning solfege to where you know, (laughs) I'm missing out on booking gigs. So I was way too busy, but, um, I did study commercial music and it did connect me with some, uh, amazing people that I still create with today. And I learned a ton, so I'm grateful, but I also just have mixed feelings about formal education in general. Like the way I learn is so individualized and I just learn by experience. So kind of during those four years, I was like, uh, you know, had senioritis the whole time, basically. Mm, since you started, that's fine. <laughs> so at this point, do you consider yourself a full-time musician, a part-time musician? Are there other things that you do to kind of pay the bills and are they music related or not? Uh, so my pie, uh, you know, my income pie is split. Oh yes. I always talk about the yeah. income pie or the streams I or whatever you want to call so it. It's so different too. It's funny like professional musician is a blanket term, but, uh, mm-hmm. I, I work part-time at my home church, which is fabulous. I, I just love it and love the people I work with. Um, so I'm there every Sunday and then I'm there every Tuesday and Wednesday. So I do like office hours there, but it's very music related. So I'm creating tracks and doing music charts and training, um, other musicians and, you know, basically making Sunday music happen, um, along with my coworker. So it's 
involved in music, but it's a job at a church. So basically that's my part-time job. And then the rest of the pie is performing places. And some of that's worship music. Some of that's pop music. Um, I teach three lessons <laughs> just because my neighbors wanted to take lessons and they're cute. Oh, so your studio is, is a three. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a very, very small. It's a very pie. exclusive studio. Exactly. Yeah. I always have people ask me for lessons. I'm like, I'm pretty full, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that's just fun. That's just a way I can like give back, but it is part of my income too. And then, um, I've had some licensing opportunities for network television through a company called Atrium Music based in Pasadena. So, um, residuals and royalties from TV placements is part of my income as well. And yeah, those are the the big chunks every now and then I'll do, you know, something else and get paid for it. But so how much do you generally perform, like say in a month? Maybe six to seven times, unless I'm on that's, tour. That's pretty good. And you're still going on tour, even with your church job? Uh, yeah, they, you know, they're pretty awesome. And if something comes up, that's maybe a couple weeks or something like that, like a short term tour, then I can work it out and usually do it. I may have trouble if I got on some big, you know, like opening for some big band for six months. Like we'd have to really talk about that, but you know, hasn't come up yet. Well, it hasn't come up yet. <laughs> it's, it's all worked out so far. So, <laughs> so we have a lot of struggling musicians that listen to this show and I'd love to hear about, you know, an experience or two, a story that happened to you early on in your career where you felt like, oh my gosh, like, why am I even trying to do this? That's not working. Um, you know, maybe I should give up and do something else mm, yeah. and how you got through that. And, you know, usually when I ask this question, people are like, I have like a hundred, I could tell you, but <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I would say my scary time, one of them was when I first graduated from APU because, um, that, you know, my my uh, financial situation was like, okay, I'm cut off now. My dad's not paying my housing and I'm 22 and I I don't have a backup plan because I just felt like if I did, I would fall back on it. So I'm like, okay, I refuse to work at Starbucks. I refuse, you know, like I will make income from music. So I was like, you know, walking to the grocery store and buying manager special for dinner. Like I was like trying to just live really frugally until I figured out how to generate a little more income. But, you know, a big part of my music career has been prayer. And I kind of asked, Hey God, you know what I need and you know what my dream is. And an opportunity came up to uh, be a part of NACA, which stands for National Association of College Activities. So this was in 2007 before the bubble burst or whatever. And mm. all these colleges had all these budgets to bring in artists for events. And I submitted my music and I was like third alternate. So I didn't even get to perform. You know, I, I was like the third alternate, meaning you should, you know, fly up to Oregon hoping that um, everyone else's plane gets delayed so you can perform for these students. And that's kind of exactly what happened. So a bunch of people didn't show up for some reason in Portland and they walked up to me and were like, Hey, you're performing tonight. So I was underprepared, but I just went for it. I kind of told some jokes and sang an original on a cover and all these college students brought me their little form to book me. So my first year out of college, I ended up touring the West coast three or four times and 
you know, I'd play at two colleges a day some days and that really, oh my goodness. Gave wow. me a, yeah. It gave me an amazing experience because I got to meet all these young, awesome people and hopefully encourage them. But also it, it definitely paid the bills that first year or two. So it was, it, it was, that's a, that's a brutal schedule. That reminds me of being on choir tour. It's like, okay, sing at a church for three services yep. and then get in the bus and then go sing at another church. Yeah. And it was like <laughs> me and my Ford escape driving around Washington. Oh my no, like I had a merch person with me, but yeah, it was crazy. So yeah. I learned a lot of covers. I got better at guitar. It, it just, you know, performing that much just gives you a great experience. Yeah, that's that's really cool. So you like so basically you were just really struggling to make income and then that happened. So what yeah. what happened next? Like how did you kind of move from that into more steady income? So after that, uh when I was around Morgan, like around the LA area, I started recording and getting into um licensing. So in 2008 or nine, I learned um, what I needed to do and try to start researching what kind of music gets placed in TV shows a lot and uh, trying to create more content to submit to these libraries. And basically been doing that ever since. Um, It's not the only thing I do, but it's really helped me income wise. And it's, you know, as CD sales go down, you know, as we move into 2017, 2018, it's like people's, uh, as artists, our income is going to have to come from other sources more and more. So I kind of just saw that coming and got into TV licensing. And Very I, smart. I my sound lends itself to that. Like I, I make really, um, I have this pure voice and I have hopeful, you know, uplifting lyrics. And that's what they want for certain moments in the show. Just like, I'm kind of just simple, you know, I don't, I'm not. And background music so <laughs> oh no don't say that no I think it's true about the the optimistic hopeful outlook like a lot of shows need that kind of music yeah and they can't all use like fight song and you know like mm-hmm. all the ones that have been overused yeah so they've always need stuff like that so I was going to ask you because I know when you did your first album like you didn't have as much control over your sound and then you started really taking control of your career and the way your albums were produced. Yeah. How has your sound evolved like from the very first album to now? My first album was more singer songwritery, uh, more acoustic pop. And I was still learning as a songwriter and, a, and a, you know, collaborating on production looked very different because I leaned into the producer, you know, almost completely. And that was partly my age and makes you know other part of it was my experience level so this past album the one that drops february 1st um it's i co-produced it like i did most of it in my home studio and then the the last part of it i did at the um at green bean recording studios which kevin penner really took my sound to like a you know professional level but creating like my style and creating my own loops and my own synth patches and trying to like arrange the song myself and things like that. Like that's been the biggest evolution is that I'm doing more in house, which is great. Cause then you don't have to, you know, out pay that's for the big- studio and yeah, like do epic long days yeah. and you know, you can make your own hours and all that. That's very, very good. Yeah. Yeah. But like at the same time, it's like, since I know how to, you know, 
batch tune backup vocals and crossfade every you know like i was doing a lot of the muck work myself too but i'd rather do that than than pay at this point <laughs> you know yeah yeah i know what you mean i've definitely done that many times so yeah i think um, we're more poppy now hopefully a little more I mean, I'll never be super edgy. Like I'm never going to be Lord. I'm always like going to be happy sounding, but I think right. it's, it's more updated of a sound, more pop and more almost aggressive in the, in subtle ways. Mm, cool. So has there been an event or a particular influence that has really changed the course of your career? Well, uh, I think my message has always been, um, hope and you know like a healing type of music where it's like it'll be all right and songs like that but um when I got sick in 2009 end of 2010 and then all through 2010 and after um I had an opportunity to really like explore those ideas of like what is hope and how to persevere in life and what is that you know, what is music's role in that? And how can I like help other people, you know, when I get better? So I really kind of focused in on my message and what I carry as an artist and what I have to offer during that time. And then when I got my voice back and started singing again, I had kind of an extra passion that influenced my writing and my goals. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, I went through this, a similar experience, yes. like right, right before I met you that you know, I was in the hospital for days and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's like, it really does change your entire outlook and it makes you want to use your music to, to help other people that are going through that. Yeah. Well, and now you spend all your time helping artists and stuff. So that's, that's true. <laughs> that's awesome of you. Um, so has there been like, you know, a point where you, hit a milestone or a mind blowing thing happened that you're like, pinch me. I can't believe that this I've gotten here. Um, I don't know. I mean, I try not to base my, you know, I wanted to find my success as like, I'm doing what I'm called to do and I'm helping people. And, you know, I don't even see all of how that's happening. So, but I have had some cool opportunities that I was just like surprised I got like, mm. um, I got to sing at one of the primaries, like the presidential debates at the Kodak Theater in L.A. Okay, that's pretty cool. That was crazy. Like, <laughs> the lady literally told me, and I, I'm singing a cappella, you know, the national anthem, so I was like, uh, just, anyway. And then the lady was like, look, I need to be real with you. You're going to walk out there, and there's a lot of celebrities. So mm. kind of just don't look at anyone, like don't get distracted kind of thing. I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, so that was just a cool um, opportunity to have like, you know, some actors I've seen in movies be like, good job, you know? And it, so did you, did you see them while you were singing or did you find a way to like blind uh, yeah, yourself? I knew it them? wouldn't freak me out too bad. So I looked around. So I was like, oh, that's there's, good. you know, Steven Spielberg's in the front row and whatever. But oh goodness, wow. Yeah. And then I got to like sit in the little section with them and pretend I was somebody. It was fun. Uh, so, and then the other one that comes to mind is this past year, 2016, I got a chance to co-write a theme song for a TV show. So instead of just getting like a one-off placement, I got to sing like the one that plays at the beginning of every episode. That's very cool. So that was like 
oh, I've been working towards this for 10 years and now I finally landed a theme song, you know, so that was fun. Wow. So what show is that? That's uh, My Giant Life is what it's called. It's on TLC. I have not seen that, but I don't regularly watch TLC. I'll have to find it. It's just about it out. tall girls. So it's a pretty oh! show. But they wanted, you know, an original that was about, I don't know. It was up my wheelhouse, totally my wheelhouse, because it was like, I got to say, like, through it all, we stand tall and like, we're strong oh. and, you know, my typical message. So that's funny. So what have been some of the best things you've done to develop your songwriting over the years? Uh, I mean, you just have to do it. You have to write a lot of songs and it feels wasteful, but that's how you get the most gems, you know, that float to the top. And I think co-writing has taught me a lot. I try to write with people who are experienced and who I feel like would, I could somehow serve them and they could serve me, you know, like, I don't know either I could record and do more of the production or one of us has a bigger fan base. And then the other one has an amazing writing skill, you know, you have to right. find the right situations, but co-writing has been something I really, I love, I love collaborating. So. Yeah. It's, it's super fun. And I think one of the best ways to network too, because then you're, you know, you can use their network of people that they know, like for licensing and stuff, and then they get to know you. And mm -hmm. I think it's a great situation. Yeah. Um, so do you perform in a lot of like different kinds of venues? Like, for example, do you do house concerts? Do you do like retreats? Yes. Um, so yeah, let it let, tell us like, cause I think, you know, a lot of the musicians listening to the show, they're looking for other places to perform, you know, corporate events and, and retreats and, you know, how, you know, how do you find those and, and what kind of things are they? Yeah, exactly. Well, CD baby had like a brilliant article about 10 uh, types of venues that pay that you haven't thought of or something like that. Ah. Um, so I recommend reading that, but for me, I'm very diverse in what I'll uh, perform at because I have content that's, you know, poppy and generic. And then I have content that's faith based. So I can that's an advantage for me because I can do both and I can kind of bill myself as, you know, whatever's the most relevant for that venue or event. And that's been something it's not only a career move for me, it's like a principal thing for me. Like, I really believe that we don't need this dichotomy where there's faith music over here on one end and there's secular music here on the other end. Like I just want people to interact with my music and I want it to be available to diverse, you know, people with diverse beliefs. And I want to be able to share my heart in these different venues and reach people not only in the like church market or worship market, but also in the mainstream music market. I don't, I, I want to break down that wall of, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess we have to label it that way for marketing reasons, but really art is art and we're expressing our heart and we're express, expressing who, you know, we are through our music. So. Yeah. I have to admit like that term crossover. Sometimes I'm like, I don't like that because it, it assumes there's a line. Like, yeah. I don't want there to be a line. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Our art is our art and who we are comes out in it, you know, whether it's so true. Yeah. So is there any, uh, book or resource other than the article you just mentioned from CD baby, which is a great idea. I always love those. Like I have this thing that's like 19 proven sources of income that you probably haven't considered. You know, I love those yeah. kind of things are like, you probably haven't thought of this. That really makes you want to read it. Yep. 
Um, are there any other books or, or uh, online resources or anything that have helped you tremendously with either songwriting, the business side, or self-development? Uh, songwriting, there's a classic called The Craft of Lyric Writing that someone recommended to me when I was in high school, and I still have it. I still look at it. So mm. um, definitely if you're a writer and if you're kind of more lyrics-based like like me, that's a great book just to hone your skills. Uh, on the personal development side, I read a lot of books about our thought life and our mindset because I feel mm. like as entrepreneurs and as, you know, people that are in a difficult industry, I think our mindset is everything. Like you can't get discouraged and you can't stop believing in yourself and your music. So really watching how you're thinking and reading resources about, you know, positive thinking. It's a real thing. Like it affects your life and your future. So I love that. It is. It is. For sure. Do you have any favorites that you can recommend? I mean, one who's really famous, she's faith-based as well. Her name's Joyce Meyer. She writes oh, yeah, yeah. a book called Power Thoughts, which is basically like what we believe about ourselves and, and our um, stance with God and how that affects all our endeavors. You know, that's a great one. Cool. So it has been great talking to you and getting all this insight. I love to hear, you know, insight from people that are in like maybe a little bit of different corner of the market. And I know that because you've had the the faith-based music and, you know, experience with churches and stuff, I think it's going to be really helpful. A lot of people to listen to this show are in faith-based music. So mm-hmm. I appreciate your input. And can you let people know how they can find you, listen to your music, your new album, all that online? Yeah. So the new album will be out, you know, on whatever platform you listen to music, uh, February 1st. So iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon, blah, blah, blah. Um, but my website is hopefulandrea.com. Hopefulandrea.com. And what about your socials? Uh, at hopefulandrea is my Instagram. That's the one I'm on the most. <laughs> cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I'm glad we were able to connect. Yay. Brie, you're awesome. Keep up. all. Thank you. Thank you. And we, I have to do mention this cause we didn't mention it at all, but Andrea and I have known each other for <laughs> over 10 years, yeah, definitely over a decade. That's so awesome. Oh my gosh. And, uh, we actually were in a songwriting class together. So, and wrote a song once, Yes, <laughs> but it was super fun. <laughs> Yeah, we probably should. I was I was so happy when our professor paired us because I was like, she's the best writer in this class. That song ended up good. I'm like proud of it. Yeah, it was. So anyway, that was um, that's how we met. And I've been kind of following what your career ever since. Like we haven't been much in touch, but I've been watching what you were doing. And it's I love that you're I can't believe you're on your seventh album. Woo! I know. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. Wow. <laughs> Well, good luck with your, your album release. By the time we release this episode, you'll have already had the album out for probably at least a month. So, um, yeah, I'm sure it'll be doing really well on all those channels and you guys go check it out. Yes. Andrea Hamilton. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thank you, Brie. Now go out and make great music, connect with your fans and grow your business. Female Entrepreneur Musician has been brought to you by femusician.com and femalemusicianacademy.com with editing by Jen Eads of 317 Sound Design and music by Stella Ronson.